On today's story session, we've got another classic, the insane original version of Sleeping Beauty. This is Briar Rose. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be, which in my opinion just made them way better and more entertaining. So I've got the most true to the original version of Grimm's fairy tales that I could find and we're going through it front to back story by story. We'll figure out the difference between the intended lessons of each story and the literal lessons of each story. And at the end of each episode... I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. Let's get right to it with today's tale, titled Briar Rose. We begin. A king and queen couldn't have children, and they wanted very much to have one. Then one day, while the queen was bathing, a crab crawled out of the water, came on shore, and said, Your wish will soon be filled, and you will give birth to a daughter. That's some pretty trippy shit right there. It's like being visited by a Greek god or something. Or doing a bunch of acid during a time in which you're sad about being sterile. One of the two. Indeed, this is what happened. And the king was so delighted by the birth of the princess that he organized a great feast and also invited the fairies who were living in his realm. That's pretty cool. Be careful with the fairies, though. They can be real hot and cold, real temperamental. Since he had only twelve golden plates, however, there was one fairy who had to be excluded, for there were thirteen in all. Okay, at that point, just use different plates, right? I mean, I feel like a king should have more than thirteen gold plates, or at least should be able to have a thirteenth maid. But hey, if that's all you have, just use some nice stoneware for everyone instead, you know? You You don't want someone to feel left out. And fairies do not take perceived slights. Lightly. The fairies came to the feast, and at the end of the celebration, they gave the child some gifts. One gave virtue, the second beauty, and the others gave every splendid thing that one could possibly wish for in the world. Damn, they're hooking this kid up. But just after the eleventh fairy had announced her gift, the thirteenth appeared, and she was quite angry She had not been invited to the festivities. They didn't even invite the 13th fairy? Guys, come on. I assumed they just gave the 13th a less nice plate. But no, they were like, I know I'm the fucking king, but we only have 12 plates. So only 12 of you can come. That sounds like a fake excuse, you know? This elf has every right to be pissed off. Just give one a different plate and make it clear... You only have 12 gold ones, but damn, that is so rude. Just to straight up not invite her. And it's not like she wouldn't know. Literally all the elves, except for her, got invited. And that really sounds like a fake excuse. Oh, we don't have enough plates. It's like, you're a king. You get, get another plate. I mean, she's just at home alone because you didn't have another gold plate. That's fucked up. I'm on the elf's side right now. Since you didn't ask me to attend this celebration, she cried out, I say to you that when your daughter turns 15, she will prick herself with a spindle and fall down dead. 
Like I said, elves do not react well to perceived slights. This elf is like, you didn't invite me to your party, I will murder your child. We continue. The parents were horrified, but the twelfth fairy hadn't made her wish yet. And she said, the girl will not die. She will fall into a deep sleep for one hundred years. Okay. That's nice. I guess. I mean, a hundred years is still a long time. At that point, her parents are going to be dead by the time she wakes up. So to them, this might as well be a death sentence. In effect, she will still be dead to them. Why couldn't the fairy have just said ten years? Or one year? Or one day? This fairy could have picked any amount of time. Just make it shorter. If I were the king, I'd be like, okay, thanks. But, you know, could you make it less than a hundred years? I know fairies live for centuries, but we're... We're humans, you know, can we shorten this timeline a little so that I will see my daughter again and not just have to watch her sleep until I die myself? Also, now we know that this is the story of Sleeping Beauty. Pretty cool. We continue. The king still hoped to save his dear child and issued an order that all spindles in his entire kingdom were to be banned. Meanwhile, the girl grew up and became marvelously beautiful. On the day she turned 15, the king and queen had gone out, and she was left completely alone in the palace. Well, why are they leaving her completely alone on her 15th birthday, when it was literally foretold that when she turns 15, she'll die and fa or fall into this hundred years sleep? It's just kind of mean to leave her alone on her birthday, first of all, and especially when it's the birthday for the year when an elf said she'd fall asleep for a hundred years if she touched a spindle. And they should be right by her side, watching her like a hawk for the entirety of her 15th year. And banning spindles seems like the wrong move here. Just make her wear super padded gloves for the duration of her 15th year. Just be like, you stay here, we'll be right by your side all year, We'll take care of everything for you. We'll take care of feeding you. Only going to eat soups, stews, rice, mac and cheese. Only things that can be eaten with spoons. And very dull spoons at that. No forks or knives. Nothing with a point. You'll wear this big, puffy, cozy robe all year. Hey, that'll be nice. That'll be nice and comfy. Then when you turn 16, we can all go back to normal. But, but no, on the literal first day when they know her life is in danger and she might fall asleep for a hundred years, they're like, okay, see you later, have fun home alone. It's almost like they want her to get pricked and fall asleep for a hundred years. At least leave a guard with her who knows what's up and can, can protect her from stuff. These are, these are terrible parents. In any event, I'm getting sidetracked by how awful these parents are. We continue... So she wandered all over the place just as she pleased and eventually came to an old tower where she found a narrow staircase. Since she was curious, she climbed the stairs and came to a small door with a yellow key stuck in the lock. When she turned it, the door sprang open and she found herself in a little room where she saw an old woman spinning flax. She took a great liking to the old woman and joked with her, and said she wanted to try spinning one time. Did they not even tell her about this elf's threat to her life? Come on, guys, this is ridiculous. It's like they're not worried at all. It really feels like they're not taking this seriously. The elves were like, 
this is going to happen. And the king and queen are like, ah, whatever, we're not worried. Ban spindles and it'll be fine. And then they don't even tell her to stay away from spindles if she does happen to see any, especially when she turns 15. And then the day she turns 15, they're like, well, we're leaving for the year. Do whatever you want. Explore. Go nuts. Have fun. Good luck. It's like they hate their daughter. It's the only explanation for how aggressively careless this is. All right, so she wants to try spitting one time. So she took the spindle from the old woman's hand, and no sooner did she touch the spindle than she pricked herself and fell down into a deep sleep. Just at that moment, the king returned to the palace with his entire courtly retinue, and everybody and everything began to fall asleep. The horses in the stable, the pigeons on the roof, the dogs in the courtyard, and the flies on the wall. Was that, was that part of it, that everyone else would fall asleep too? Wasn't mentioned in the initial prophecy, but I'm guessing that if the king did know that, he would have taken this more seriously. <sighs> Even the fire flickering in the hearth became quiet and fell asleep. The roast stopped sizzling, and the cook, who was just about to pull the kitchen boy's hair, let him go. And the maid, who was plucking the feathers of a hen, let it drop and fell asleep. I don't know what was going on in the kitchen with the cook pulling the kitchen boy's hair, but kind of relieved that, that this cook was stopped from beating this child. And a hedge of thorns sprouted around the entire castle and grew higher and higher until it was impossible to see the castle anymore. There were princes who heard about the beautiful Briar Rose, and they came and wanted to rescue her, but they couldn't penetrate the hedge. It was as though the thorns clung tightly together like hands, and the princes got stuck there and died miserable deaths. Oh my god, that is horrifying. I don't remember that part from the kids' movie. Princes getting caught in the thorns and starving to death in agony. Also, why are they even trying to rescue her? The information we have at this point is that she's just going to be asleep for a hundred years. There has been nothing to suggest that there is any possible way for her to wake up before that hundred years is over. That is the information we have. So even if they rescue her, they're just rescuing a woman who's going to be passed out for their entire life. What's the point of that? Definitely not worth potentially dying a miserable death in a patch of thorns. In any event... All this continued for many, many years until one day a prince came riding through the country, and an old man told him that people believed that a castle was standing behind the hedge of thorns, and that a gorgeous princess was sleeping inside with her entire household. His grandfather had told him that many princes had come and had wanted to penetrate the hedge. However, they got stuck hanging in the thorns and had died. So an old man is telling this young prince this story. And he, the old man says that his grandfather had told him that many princes had come and wanted to penetrate, but got stuck and, and died in the thorns. So we've gone like four or five generations at this point. Should have been a hundred years. The hundred years should be up by now. If we're talking to an old man whose grandfather knew about all this going on. Yeah, this should be done. She should be woken up. Well, and in any event, she's super old now. Even if she was like preserved in stasis... She's going to wake up. Technology and world events will have completely changed. She will wake up to an unrecognizable society. 
Let's see if they get into that angle. Somehow I doubt it. That doesn't scare me, said the prince. I'm going to make my way through the hedge and rescue the beautiful princess. This guy sounds like an idiot. An arrogant idiot. This isn't noble. He just wants a hot, passed-out lady. Idiot. So off he went, and when he came to the hedge of thorns, there was nothing but flowers that separated and made a path for him. And as he went through them, the flowers turned back into thorns. Wait, the thorns just parted like the fucking Red Sea and let him through? What the hell? Why? I want him to get through, through his own cleverness or ingenuity or bravery. But no, it just, it just happened with literally zero effort from this prince. I, I, I don't care for that. Use a weed killer or something. I don't know. After he reached the castle, the horses were lying asleep in the courtyard, and there was an assortment of hunting dogs. The pigeons were perched on the roof and had tucked their heads beneath their wings. When he entered the palace, the flies were asleep, as was the fire in the kitchen along with the cook and the maid. The prince continued walking, and he saw the entire royal household with the king and queen lying asleep. Everything was so quiet that he could hear himself breathe. Finally, he came to the old tower where Briar Rose was lying asleep. The prince was so astounded by her beauty that he leaned over and kissed her. Dude is a creep. I know this has been said about the story of Sleeping Beauty before, but it's worth reiterating. He's kissing a passed out woman who doesn't even know him. Dude is a creep and a sexual predator. Also, she's physically 15 years old. That is fucked up. How old is this prince? Because there's no way he's he's like a badass warrior prince or anything if he's only 15 years old too. So he's got to be older, in which case, gross. I don't think you're going to get away with saying she's actually like 100 years old. She's just trapped in the body of a 15-year-old. Because mentally speaking, she has been asleep this entire time. So mentally speaking, she still has the mind of a 15-year-old and the body of a 15-year-old. So yeah, it's just all around messed up. Super not cool. We continue. Immediately after the kiss, she woke up and the king and queen and the entire royal household and the horses and the dogs and the pigeons on the roof and the flies on the walls and the fire woke up. Why? Why did this work? Why did the kiss do this? There's no reason given. In The Sleeping Beauty, it's something about, like, true love's kiss, right? Am I not remembering that correctly? I feel like there's something along those lines. In this story, no. There is no causation given for any of this. Indeed, the fire flared up and cooked the meat until it began to sizzle again. Hasn't that meat been there for, for generations? That is disgusting. And the cook gave the kitchen boy a box on the ear. <laughs> Poor kitchen boy. Apparently they both just woke up and the cook immediately, instead of being like, oh, what happened? That's so weird. Why did we fall asleep? Just immediately goes at the kitchen boy again. No, no rest for the kitchen boy here. While the maid finished plucking the chicken. Then the wedding of the prince with Briar Rose was celebrated in great splendor and they lived happily to the end of their days. The end. 
Boo. This story is nonsense. The kids' movie version is actually an improvement here, because it at least gives some sort of logic to it, with the prince being her true love or something. Doesn't it say that? It's still not great, but at least that's a reason. My bigger issue here is that the prince didn't do shit. Wasn't there a dragon or something in the movie, in the movie version of Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, at least he did something in that one. In this original version, the prince just walked right in because the thorns just let him for no apparent reason. Then he kissed a sleeping woman and everything just worked out. Why? Explain some of these steps. Nothing is explained here. And I've got to say, this prince is the most undeserving hero I could imagine. He's not even a hero. Can't even call him that. He doesn't put in any effort or overcome literally any obstacles. He just sort of wanders in and kisses a passed out woman. He is a creep and a predator. There should not be a wedding after this. Also, you know the prince was not expecting her to wake up. How would he know to expect that? There was no prophecy that a kiss would wake her up. That wasn't part of the initial thing. As far as he is concerned, this is just a girl and a shockingly young girl at that who's been asleep for a long time and will remain asleep. Because that's what the curse said. Until the time is up, which we don't know when exactly that is, but it might be soon. Maybe it was just the timing worked out. It's clearly been a long time based on, you know, these generations of old men who passed this story down that ultimately found its way to the prince. Maybe he just happened to kiss her at the moment that the hundred years was up. That would be extremely convenient and would give him a real outsized view of his own importance and bravery and self-worth. It's like, yes, I rescued you. Like, no, just the time was up. I'll bet he, still, I'll bet he kissed her and she woke up and there was a momentary panic where he was like, oh shit, busted. Hey, 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 hey girl, how you doing? And she's like, did you, did you just kiss me? And he's like, no, no, definitely, definitely didn't kiss you. You were asleep. That would, that would be super weird of me to just, just kiss you while you were asleep, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. She's like, I taste onions, and your breath definitely smells like onions, so I feel like you kissed me. And then finally, he's like, yeah, all right, all right, I kissed you when you were asleep. It, it's fucked up, I know. But hey, it woke you up, so so silver lining there. I'm John. It's good to meet you. <laughs> I mean, re- really, think of this from her perspective. She turned 15, found an old woman with a cool device she's never seen before. Then she tries to use this device and instantly passes out, and wakes up to being molested by some older guy. If I'm her, then I would definitely think this was some sort of date rape trap that this guy had set up using a spindle and some old woman he knew to poison her and knock her out. This poor girl would definitely be absolutely terrified waking up under these circumstances, because she still clearly doesn't know anything about the elves' curse and all that, because apparently nobody told her, And she doesn't know how long she's been asleep either. So to her, this is just a crazy, spindle-based molestation plot. I've got to say, I've been enjoying a lot of the folktales lately, but this one is really just... just not, not good. There's no motivation or reason for anything happening, and everything works out through no ingenuity or problem-solving of any of the characters, I don't like stories where things work out just because things work out. It's lazy. 
It's crazy which stories are the ones that get picked up by movie studios and become super popular, because in my mind, if I ranked all of the stories we've done so far, I don't know that this would even make it into the top half. And a last note on the name, Sleeping Beauty versus Briar Rose. I guess at some point it, it underwent a marketing change, because Sleeping Beauty is definitely more on the nose as titles go, but I like Briar Rose. It's a little more, it's a little more poetic. She's the rose in the middle of the prior patch. It's more interesting. It's nicer. All right, lessons. I have no idea what the intended lessons for this would be, because nothing is explained, so there's no real causation or point to anything that happens, other than the elf being pissed off that they weren't invited to the, to the dinner. That's the only causation we get for anything that goes on. And I know for Sleeping Beauty, the main lesson is true love can conquer all, but this story is a terrible representation of that. They don't even they don't even know each other. I think instilling the idea that love is predetermined isn't healthy for people. And in this instance, this woman was born way before this guy, right? Because she was asleep for a super long time. So they would have never even had a chance to meet each other in normal circumstances if they had just lived their lives as normal. So how does that work out that they're they're each other's true love? That's super fucking sad that you're the idea that your true love could have been born a hundred years after you and you never met him. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And that whole idea that love is predetermined, it probably leads to people thinking that someone is their true love when that person doesn't really know them and isn't that into them. And then the first person gets upset because this person doesn't realize that they're each other's true loves. No, that is an unhealthy attitude towards love. Love doesn't mean... Everything just works out like it does in this story. Even with love, it, it takes work and effort to be with someone and make a relationship work. Shit doesn't just work out if you have true love. The thorns don't turn into flowers, people. You still gotta cut through the thorns. Love does motivate you to cut through the thorns. I can speak to that. Love means I don't hesitate to put the work in to cut through those thorns because love is worth it. But shit doesn't just work out. This original version of the story doesn't say shit about true love, though. In Sleeping Beauty, they hit the true love conquers all angle just to give some reason for why she woke up when he kissed her, I guess. But Briar Rose doesn't even have that. In this original version, shit just sort of happens for no apparent reason, and then it works out for no apparent reason. So who knows what the intended lessons are here. But the actual lessons, let's start with Make sure you have enough plates and cutlery for your guests if you're throwing a party. And then don't blatantly and rudely exclude someone on the grounds of not having enough plates or cups for that one person. Get some damn paper plates and invite everyone you want to or need to invite. Because otherwise, people might get hurt. Another lesson, take threats seriously. The king and queen's handling of this threat is ridiculous. They ban spindles and think that solves everything and that they can then just fuck off without a care in the world. So yeah, take legitimate threats seriously. Another lesson is that sometimes shit just works out for people. The prince sounds like a fucking moron, and yet everything works out great for him. So the next lesson, some people just get lucky. No way around it. Another lesson, if you get excluded from something, don't show up and take vengeance. Fuck those people. You don't need that noise. Elf should have thrown her own party. Had a great time herself that night. Had some me time. Yes, they were assholes for not inviting the 13th elf, but showing up and getting mad at everyone just makes everything worse. 
Rise above, people. Bitches are going to be bitches. Let them be. Rise above. Now, let's adapt this thing. I'm going to go... I'm going to go a completely different direction with it. It's modern day. Ron Funches, the stand-up comedian, will play our protagonist. And he hosts a party for his friends and invites a bunch of people, a bunch of his co-workers from his job at a pharmacy. And he basically invites everyone except for this one pharmacist who will be played by Nick Kroll. And the reason he doesn't invite this one pharmacist is because Nick Kroll got drunk and broke a bunch of glasses in a vase at the last party that Ron threw. And he's really mean to people a lot. He's kind of a bully. He's the bully at work, basically. But the day of the party, Nick Kroll overhears a couple of the other pharmacists whispering about the party. And so that night, he shows up during the party and is like, What the hell, Ron? You don't invite me to your party? Not cool, man. And Ron's like, Look, I'm sorry, man, but last time you got drunk and were super mean to everybody and broke a bunch of stuff. And you didn't even apologize afterwards. And Nick is like, I was partying, bro. If you can't keep up with the way I party, then you shouldn't even be throwing a party. So Ron replies, well, raging super hard and starting fights and breaking stuff isn't really the whole vibe I'm going for. So... That's why I didn't invite you. That's not really how I party. We're still friends. We just party in different ways. So I didn't think you'd want to come to a low-key party like this. And Nick says, yeah, this party's freaking lame, man. I don't even want to come to your party. And Ron's like, well, that's fine. Just leave then. And Nick's like, I will. And he storms out of the house. And the party gets going again and things are okay. But outside, Nick Kroll is just, just stewing and super pissed off. So he goes to the pharmacy and cooks up a concoction and goes back to the party and dumps this this secret serum that he invented into the air conditioning system. And it goes through the party and causes everyone to fall asleep. And while they're asleep, he slips inside, steals all their phones, and he boards up all the windows and doors so that they're they're trapped. And the, the knockout gas that he put into the air conditioning system just it can be kept in there and knock him out. Meanwhile, Ron's best friend had left the party, and had gone home early because he was too tired. And this friend will be played by Phil Wang, another stand-up comedian. So the next day, Phil is texting Ron that he left his jacket at his house, but of course, he's not getting any responses because Ron is passed out with because of the knockout gas with everyone else at the party. And meanwhile, everyone in the house is waking up, and Nick Kroll communicates to them through walkie-talkies, and he's like, you should have invited me to the party, now you'll all stay in there until you die. And they panic and start trying to break out of the house. But the windows are boarded up, and Nick just puts more knockout serum into the air conditioner, and they all fall asleep again. And finally, Phil is like, all right, I need, I need my jacket. Ron is probably sleeping in from the party. I'm just going to go over there. And he shows up to see the boarded up windows, and he's super confused. Then he hears Nick Kroll in the backyard talking to them inside on the walkie-talkies. And he hears Nick saying, there's nothing you can do. I'm just going to keep knocking you out and letting you wake up just to remind you you're going to die before knocking you out again. And Phil's like, shit, this is, I don't know what's going on, but Nick's Nick's gone crazy. I got to do something. And so Phil, who also works at the pharmacy, this is a super big pharmacy, guys. So it's a giant pharmacy. A lot of, a lot of people work into this pharmacy. Phil goes to the pharmacy and everyone is confused why none of the pharmacy employees are there because they're all trapped in a sleep at Ron's house. And Phil shows up and is just like, shut up, I've got to save the pharmacy. 
and everyone backs off. And so he walks through the pharmacy toward all the drugs and is looking through the shelves for something that can help. And then he reaches out and picks up a crowbar that's leaning up against the shelves. And then he walks out and he returns to Ron's house and sneaks up and is trying to pry one of the boards off the windows because he knows if he can pull off a few, then the air will clear and the knockout gas won't work as well. But as he's trying to do this, Nick Kroll shows up. And let's say Nick Kroll has always always bullied and belittled Phil Wang at, at work, and Phil's never stood up to him. But now the power of friendship compels him to stand up to the asshole pharmacist Nick Kroll, and he's like, I gotta do it for Ron. And he takes the crowbar and he whips it back and is about to hit Nick, when Nick is like, whoa, hey, hey man, what the hell, you're gonna hit me with a crowbar? And Phil's like, yeah, you're, you're trying to trap and kill Ron and everyone in there. And Nick was like, well, yeah, but I didn't think you really hit me with a crowbar. That didn't hurt. It's not cool, man. Wow, you, you know, you really took the fun out of this for me. Jeez. Fine. All right. I'll leave, you psycho. And so Phil watches Nick get into his little Tokyo drift car and drive away. And Phil opens up a bunch of the windows by prying the boards off to let all the knockout gas out. And then he jumps into the house through an open window. Then he runs past all the passed out people. And he finds Ron and Phil shakes him. And he's like, wake up, Ron. You gotta wake up. But Ron won't wake up. And then Phil is like, I know what I have to do. And then he slaps him across the face and Ron wakes up. And slowly everyone wakes up and they find that Nick Kroll has disappeared and fled to Switzerland. And they all live happily ever after. Until the sequel, when Nick Kroll returns from Switzerland. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Ron and Phil, best friends forever. The end. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a story titled The Foundling. Very mysterious name there. Sounds like a modern-day sci-fi cult movie or something. I'm into it. Come on back next week for that. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Story Sessions.